0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland,
1: and I'm Jeff Shuck, we're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone.
0: Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plenty for Everyone. I am Jennifer Mulholland. And as always, joined by my partner and co-host, Jeff Shuck. Hey, everybody. We really appreciate you tuning in today. And if you are watching online, I kind of look ridiculous because I have a new headset. Because apparently my voice was too tinny in my office and trying something new. But I kind of feel like I should be uh, jamming out to some tunes right now.
1: You used to be a little reverberant. It was a little boomy. And now it's like I'm talking to Mission Control.
0: Houston, come in, please. The thing that sucks is it really fucks with my hairdo. I'm just going to say.
1: Doesn't stop the F-bombs though. Right away, we earned the explicit tag. Well, it looks good. It actually looks like, you know, when podcasters get to a certain number of subscribers and they they start to get more professional. So it looks like you're like part of the podcast royalty now.
0: Yes. Well, hopefully you can hear me loud and clear. We can can hear you. Our editor's
1: not going to know what to do without the boomy reverb in your voice. It's great to be here. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to us. You know, I'm going to start with the ad that we usually put at the end, and it's not even an ad, it's a request. We know that there are many of you listening, um, and we thank you for that. And we would ask you if you're listening and you haven't done it yet to rate us and give us a review on whatever channel you're listening to. Most of you we know listen on Apple. We love Apple. Thank you but Spotify, Google, whatever service that you're using to listen to us, if you would rate us and give us a review, it helps us be seen and be found by more people like you who hopefully will benefit from the messages the way you do. So before you listen to the rest of this episode, hit pause. The episode is going to be great right now. I'll just promise you you give us a five-star review, but hit pause, give us, a rating, write us a quick review. We read them all and we really appreciate them. And that's our ad right at the beginning.
0: There you go. We were reflecting today on how can it be almost the end of August and how quickly this summer has gone, summer of growth, we've been calling it, summer of transitions, But here in Park City, Utah, it has just been an exquisite week of beautiful, sunny, warm weather with a hint of fall in the evenings and mornings. So it's, I'm just amazed that we, our kids are back in school and Fall is just right around the corner, and September is here in a couple of days. It's crazy.
1: incredible. And we were talking this morning, we were writing a copy for our newsletter, which here's another ad. If you don't get our newsletter, you can sign up at plentyconsulting.com, click subscribe, and you'll get it regularly. I got lots of ads today. So that's the last one, I promise. But we were talking about the idea of looking forward to fall but also wanting to enjoy the last few weeks of summer and just the duality there in, in trying to be a conscious leader and you know look forward with possibility and, and hope and excitement and also just enjoy where you're at. And through that conversation, Jen, you brought up something that is really interesting that we wanted to talk about, really kind of ripped from your headlines and mine, yours and mine, about what you've Gone through with your family the last couple of weeks, taking your son back or taking your son to college for the first time and saying goodbye. And the way that you put it, I thought was beautiful when we were prepping for the episode. You just said, How is it possible? I can feel all these feelings at once. So maybe can we start there? Why don't you share what you were sharing about the story and then we'll unpack that deep well that you're pointing us to.
0: Well, my son began his freshman year at San Diego State University, and I have just been reflecting this past week. So he's one week in and been in awe and curiosity that I can feel such a range of emotions at the same time from feeling the absence of his presence in my home, the quietness, the cleanliness, as well as the the full joy and freedom that I'm experiencing, witnessing the feeling that he's in the right place and that he's chosen the perfect spot for him to be in. And they it's like a wave. They all come at different times, but I've been really remarking in my own journaling and reflection on... How could it be that I can feel sadness and longing and joy and happiness in the same breath at the same moment? And I really believe that we are designed to be able to do that. For some of you who have listened to us for a while know that I'm Libra. I have my sun sign and moon sign in Libra, which is about balance and harmony and justice and peace. And it has been about like balancing the dark and the light and the left and the right. And because I've been wired that way, I think it's been very easy to compartmentalize unconsciously a construct that if I'm feeling sad, there's no room for joy. Or if I'm feeling joy, there's like no room for sadness. And What I am experiencing and allowing myself to feel is this range of emotions at once. And yeah, I don't know. It's just opening up more wholeness, it's opening up more observation and curiosity, like I just mentioned about how could this be? You know, how could I actually feel all of these emotions at once? So I noticed too that my mind wants to understand and compartmentalize and reason and define this state of being as an example. Like Riley wasn't, he's not like a very loud child or or human being and he's not that messy. And yet I am so struck how organized quiet and spacious my home feels now as a result of him not being there and I can't rationalize or understand that in my intellectual thinking but I can feel the difference and the feeling I think what I'm pointing to that I'd love to hear how you're experiencing it too with your son and sons away and in transition as well is it it's almost like there is more aptitude and more capacity to experience life more richly and wholly when I can allow myself to experience a rainbow of reflections and feelings at the same time without needing to label, judge, feel one thing, then move to the other, justify it, rationalize it, et cetera. So that's kind of the soup I was wanting to play in today.
1: I love it. I mean, I think this is a really deep well. So a few places to go. The the first place that I'd love to start, and I would say, you just nodded to this, but my second oldest son just went to college out on the West Coast, and I live in the Midwest. And my oldest has been at school for, he's a senior now in college, and he just left a couple of weeks ago. So we too are dealing with more space at home and missing the noise and being grateful that there aren't dirty dishes everywhere and just like all of the mix of characteristics. One thing that I'd love to start with, it's kind of more of a a meta theme is in places on the podcast or episodes on the podcast in the past, and in some of our retreats, we we try to draw the distinction between conscious leadership that we try to learn and practice and, and share and coach on and positive psychology and how positive psychology can be really helpful. And you and I have both practiced it. And there's times where we need it, right? The idea that I can change my thinking and change how I want to be and feel, and I can choose a positive thought. Well, that's different then kind of conscious leadership of being aware of my thoughts and being accepting of my thoughts and knowing that my thoughts change and knowing that they can't hurt me and knowing that a new, you know, a new idea is a new thought away. And I think that's the first kind of undercurrent I hear is there's something that's really helpful about positive psychology, but it only gets you so far in the human condition and the humanity, like, the idea of change and sorrow and death, mortality are built into what it means to be human. And if we try to talk ourselves out of those all the time, we kind of miss out on a lot of the richness that there is. And I'm not saying that it's great to be sad all the time. I'm saying that it's not bad to be sad and that being sad is natural. And so that's not specifically what you're talking about, but the idea that There's a maturity, I think, I guess, in the idea that I can be accepting of all my thoughts and I don't have to talk myself out of them, medicate myself out of them, drink myself out of them, exercise myself out of them. And sometimes I can just look around the house and be like, damn, I miss that my son isn't here anymore. And that's a sign of love and it's a sign of growth and it's a sign of. You know, our own age and all of those things that we deal with. So I think that's my first idea is that I, you always say to people, like, you know, the first step is being aware. And I think just the awareness that I have these multiple feelings. So something very rich to me.
0: And the feelings I'm noticing are coming faster and the wave arc, the wavelength is shorter. So I'm spending less time in the dip of a lower quality thought or a lower quality feeling because our feelings come from our thinking. And I'm really noticing it on the mat. I have become really dedicated and I was about to say addicted to hot yoga sculpt, which has been very surprising for me to discover and if you don't know what that is it's in a hot room it's a 100 degree room and incorporates yoga moves meditation weightlifting cardio hit training and it's an ass kicker and i feel so good afterwards i've sweated out i've done something hard I've connected to my mind, my body, and my spirit in the hour. I've had gen time. I love being on my mat where I can really be embodied with myself and soul. And during that time, my awareness is increasingly noticing the waves of feelings of Self-talk, you know, I've got this, I can get through this to just thoughts that come in on different subjects to sadness. I've cried on my mat already three times this week and I've laughed and had tears of joy. And it's almost like this up and down experience of that. I don't have to hold myself in such care that I have to be so put together or steady or, emotive on a certain plane. I don't have to have a reason why I feel a certain way. I can just feel a certain way and know that that feeling will change momentarily. And the feelings I want to hold on to, I can practice holding on to them. I really have noticed that experience on the mat of the range of emotions, the frequency of emotions, the pace of emotions, energy in motion moving through that helps me feel like I'm alive. I'm so much more alive. And I think that's when I'm reflecting about the transition of my son going to college. It's like, I feel more alive in the experience of this range of emotions and not having to hold myself in one place or another or justify it, just allowing it to move through. And if that's happening for me, that's happening for everybody else too. We may not all be aware of it, but it helps me give other people a break when they're in a crappy mood or they may not be as kind or because I need that tender care for myself, knowing that these emotions are going to change quickly.
1: Yeah. And I love what you're talking about, about leaning into what's on offer instead of trying to choreograph it or control it. And that's what I meant about the difference in positive psychology and you know conscious being trying to be conscious. And I use the word maturity. I'm going to use it again. And I, I hesitate a little bit because it sounds snotty. It sounds like I'm not saying that other people are immature. But what I mean is, think about you know what you like to eat as a child. I used to love Spree's. They're this sugary candy. And they're just like a concentrated sugar bomb. Oh, my God. It was my favorite food to get at the gas station. I ride Ooh, my bike. I didn't
0: know that about you.
1: Well, now, like, I can't have one of those. It's so sickly sweet. Like it's too much. And in the same way, you know, as a kid, think of the movies you used to watch and the stories you used to read and like the good guys always win and the couple always ends up together and all of that. And there's still a place for that. Like I love my sugary treats once in a while. I love a happy ending, but you know, as a kid, I used to hate tomatoes. Now I love tomatoes. I used to hate dark dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Like great red wine has all these different flavors. It's not just sweet, like grape soda, it's spicy and it's, you know, stringent and it's mellow. And I think that is part of growth of like being able to enjoy the subtleties. and you know, even the movies that I like to watch sometimes, the Notebook, the couple, you know, the wife dies. Bridges of Madison County, the couple doesn't end up together. You know, Endgame, the Avengers, Iron Man, you know, isn't with the team at the end because he's died and Cap leaves. Like that to me, is just is more rich. And I think that idea of not it being able to embrace all the flavors, like being able to embrace all of it and this has not always been easy for me you know i've been pretty vocal on the podcast and in our work and certainly in the book about how difficult it was to navigate my parents death and how especially when my dad was killed it i really needed to control my world for a bit cuz i just couldn't let it all in and it finally the dam broke down and it just kind of all came rushing in on me in a in a matter of a few weeks but what was on the other side of that dam, right? instead of holding all that emotion in all of that negative emotion and all of the sorrow and all of the anguish got to mix with the happy parts of my life, and the fact that I had young kids, the fact that I had a team of people who wanted to support me, the fact that I had a career that I loved, and you know it it all melded together, and it's not that. You know, I talk to people who've lost their parents or lost someone special in their life and they we were kind of fed this bill of goods that like you get over it or like you heal from it. And I don't, it's not the experience that I had. I had something that was subtler, but richer where you incorporate it, you grow around it, it becomes a part of you and you still have some sorrow. And that's the reminder of the love that you have too. And you can also have laughter and joy, and so that that idea that, again, I maturity maybe it sounds like a snotty word, but if we're willing to step into what's there, it's really of course, it's sad that Riley's not at home anymore. what What parent wouldn't want that, And it's the sign that you did such a great job as a parent that he's not there. And to be able to experience all of that. And to not be able to label it, that to me is is the ultimate human experience when we can't even, there's not a word for it, that it has to be expressed in laughter and crying and frustration. Like that's ultimately how we've been architected.
0: And what I'm reminded of and been really reflective of is your experience is your experience with your parents' loss. That doesn't need to be. And it's not somebody else's experience. There may be common threads that you will never understand unless you go through it. And that's that dance between the commonality and the uniqueness of you. The, the commonality of, I had no idea what my older friends who was going through college transitions were going through. I kind of was like, get over it. Like, you just said to me, like, you did a great job. They're going to fly. Like, you should be so happy for them. Like
1: Which sounds like what you said to me when my...
0: Right. I totally did. I mean, it's that little, that's that voice in the back of my head. And I'm wired as an optimist. And so that comes out of my language anyway. But I had no idea of the sorrow and the sadness and the hole and the the courage required to walk through that transition until I'm being asked to go through it myself. And now I have a deeper appreciation and empathy and compassion for what my peers and people who have walked this path before me, other parents have gone through. And yet everybody's experience is so unique. My experience with Riley is very different than his family's, who his roommate is, you know, or my other friends that are, you know, supporting their children going off to college. Like all of our experiences are different because we're uniquely designed in a different way. And so the harmony between those two places, again, can I be strong enough, open enough, whole enough to experience and relate to the commonality And honor the uniqueness of me, of how I process and what has been important to me and what I value and how I've chosen to live my life and lead. And those are all just so uniquely core to ourselves. And I think sometimes from a cultural standpoint and a societal standpoint, when we go through a transition or a loss or a gain we tend to put on our emotions that we've experienced onto others they should feel that way they do feel that way and it's not true it it may be true but checking out those placements of assumptions or those placements of the emotions we put on others versus really just owning and witnessing what am I feeling and can I be in that container of me and expand that container? Can we be open enough and broad enough to experience the emotions, the feelings that are uniquely ours to experience and not just being really aware of owning that for ourselves, staying in that container broadening it so that we're not limiting our experience, but we're expanding into a space that is ours and being really mindful of where we then take that experience and place it on others.
1: I mean, I hear two themes there. The second is something that we ask people to practice at our retreats. And honestly, some people really struggle with this, which is don't solve for other people just try to listen to people and hold space. And it's amazing, I would say, particularly at Lantern, but also at our strategy retreats and our team building retreats. That's a gift for most people because we're we're often in a place where you come in and you say, oh, my stomach hurts. And someone says, well, what did you eat? Oh, did you eat raw spinach? You know, you shouldn't eat raw spinach. You really need to cook it. Or you like, my back hurts a little bit. You know what? You should try. You should really try this. It's like the constant... Oh, I'm a little sad because I'm thinking about my niece is in treatment. Oh, that's okay. But the hospitals are really great. Like like the constant talking people out, solving, asking, telling people what they should do. I mean, it's just deafening, honestly. And when you're really attuned to it, how much it happens. And we ask people at our retreats when they're in small group to just listen and to just say, tell me more. I hear you. To say again about my experience losing two parents, I really appreciated people who just said, I'm here for you. I'm thinking of you. And I don't know what other people need, but that's kind of how I approach those situations is just telling people, I love you and I'm thinking of you. Because here the number of people who say shit like, it's okay, she's in a better place. They really loved you. Here's a copy of Tuesdays with Maury. I mean, I have four copies of Tuesdays with Maury. I've said on an earlier podcast, you know, I appreciate the intention, but it isn't helpful. So that practice of trying to hold space for people and not assuming that your experience is theirs, I really appreciate that. But the other thing I hear that, and I've said this A couple of times, but I just want to underline this idea of allowing yourself to be vulnerable to your own emotion and not feeling like your own emotion is going to break you. And there are times when emotion is overwhelming and anxiety, depression can be debilitating and joy can be paralyzing, honestly, and ecstasy can be paralyzing. But, you know, allowing yourself to see that. Those are part of you and they're serving you in some way. And you don't necessarily have to talk yourself out of those and just allowing yourself to feel in. You know, that's what I heard when you were talking about your space in the mat. I don't practice yoga in that way, but I have experiences where I can just feel like, oh, I can just fully feel into this, you know, exertion or emotion or enjoyment and allow it to wash over me a little bit and doesn't have to be consuming
0: yeah and it's really a practice to unlearn holding on bottling up keeping down the emotions that we feel because we embody our emotions and emotions get stuck and that's what is partly causing disease every disease has an energetic blueprint to it and oftentimes disease in a certain area of our body is from stuck emotion, stuck trauma that hasn't been felt. It's been pushed down, it's been disowned, it has been disregarded. And that's why a lot of healing practices hold sacred space so that the participant can experience and go into the feeling that they never had the courage or time or choice to experience before. And that's oftentimes what happens with trauma is that it's too scary to feel because it has been so traumatic and we stuff it and then it builds over time. And part of moving our body in nature or whether it's on the mat is to feel the embodiment of energy moving through and allowing ourselves whether it's joy or sadness and loss and grief, rage, whatever that is to really sense where is that in my body and can I move it out? Can I breathe it out? Where there is such a cool movement of breath work happening on the planet today and breath has been our greatest gift that we've all been given to oxygenate our blood and our body and our bones, but it's also a way to a vehicle to move emotion, move energy through. And oftentimes in work, and you see it a lot in people that are stressed, high anxiety, when we're on the hamster meal, when we're running too fast, when we're trying to push through, we hold our breath. We literally make things shallower and we constrict we tighten and so part of this invitation to experience wholeness in a range of emotions is to experience breath in a way that it's deep and full and it can help really anchor the range of emotions that we're having in a different in every moment and it takes so much courage i love that you just pointed to the vulnerability Like I really had no idea how much I was avoiding my vulnerability, you know, running away from it, scared of it. How would I look if I acted a certain way, if I showed my frustration and anger or power or sadness in a room? It just was too scary and finding a way that I can give myself permission and practice I don't have to do it in front of people. I can do it in my bedroom, you know. I can do it in the bathroom, in the closet. But the important piece of it is to feel it and to really allow it to move through because it will change and it will free whatever we're holding on to. There's
1: a practice I want to point people to that kind of combines two of the themes you talked about, which is the power of breath, and then you know, feeling the full emotion and feeling empathy for others. And it's tonglen. We I think we've talked about it. On the podcast before, which is a Buddhist practice of breathing in the negative emotions and breathing those in, not just for yourself but for everyone around you who feels it. So I feel my own sorrow and I feel connection with all of those who've lost a child and transforming that into an out breath that can create healing for people. It's a it's a lovely connective practice. I just want to point to
0: yeah, and in that way, what we suggest with using this practice is that we are literally tapping ourselves on the head to be the chooser of how and what energy we want to put out in the world. In that moment, when we're bringing in negativity and we're sending out positivity, we're bringing in sadness and we're sending out compassionate healing, we become the channelers of the world we seek to have and seek to create. And in that moment, we become the vehicle for which it can happen one person at a time.
1: I love that. You know, before we break, I think let's just talk about this topic in relationship to teams and organizations briefly, because there's obviously teams are made of people. So there's a personal aspect to how you can meet people who have lots of emotions in their life or how you can meet others when you have lots of emotion that's present in your life. But I think there's also something about here that's relevant to how teams function and organizations function. And one of the things, I mean, we, we have a lot of bones to pick with <laughs> modern business strategy and the way that it's set and, and modern business culture. I think one bone I'd pick specifically on this topic is the idea that we've all heard in some business class that the organization is either growing or it's dying. Is like a really dime store management philosophy. And there's nothing that could be further from the truth. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but look at a tree in December versus in June, and it will counter that idea that the growth is perfectly linear. And then at the end of growth is death. It's actually not how most of the world works. And it's certainly not how the natural world works. And there are times that we've worked with teams that The only thing in their way is nobody's been able to openly talk about what's discouraging, what's frustrating, what's stressful. You know, it needs to be this constant cheerleading all the time and only positive emotions are allowed. And anyone who's, you know, remotely has a constructive criticism is dismissed as being insubordinate that's not how constructive great cultures work. I mean, that's not how teams work. If you go into a locker room, highly effective teams are highly accountable to one another and there's lots of negatives that are talked about so that people can move forward in a constructive way. And so I just wanna point to that too, that discouragement is not your enemy, fear is not your enemy, anxiety is not your enemy in a work setting or a team setting. And actually spending a little bit of time when you set goals to talk with people about what are the obstacles to this? Where does this, do you feel tightness in your chest about this? Why are we in our own way here? You know, wow, what's been discouraging this month, right? Instead of feeling like as a leader, you constantly need to give the powerful, you know, motivational speech, sometimes listening and creating space for people. To talk about what isn't working is the best way to lead. I wonder what you'd say to that, Jen.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as a conscious leader, somebody who is aware aligned and intentional for ourselves and for the people that we lead, I would say especially as it relates to teams is notice. Notice the feeling. Notice the feeling of your employees and of the people in the room, of your board. And if appropriate, check it out. Ask, listen. You can ask a question of what would be helpful. I notice that you feel to me more discouraged today. Would you like to share what's happening? Share what you're observing if it's appropriate. Ask the other person or team what is needed. I'm always reflective, and it's so much harder because I'm just been wired to be a coach my whole life, so I don't do this well all the time. But I always recall, and I think I have to share this on previous episodes. my a great practice my mom shared with me from somebody she learned it from was, you know, just try for a day to not share unless you're asked. In your family, in your environment, just notice. And it's amazing how it it cues you to how much you share and how much you try and lift people up or fix people's problems or insert yourself when it's not needed and not asked. So I think part of it is bringing more awareness to the feeling in the room, checking it out, asking questions. And then when it's your time to share, being really attuned to, is it appropriate to share? Is it needed? And if it's not, share it with yourself. Write it down, journal, take note if you're a processor and you need that. And if not, if you're an introvert or an internal processor, just literally become more aware. I think we see this behavior and pattern a lot in our retreats when we have what's called pods, and they're in cozy couches in Heart Space, our retreat center in Park City. And in the beginning, you can really see the intent of people listening, wanting to validate the other person's story when it's shared. And it looks like this: it's a lot of head nodding, it's a lot of leaning in, it's a lot of body language validating the person, but What happens when you are not allowed to do that, when you have to listen without moving? It's very uncomfortable for most people because they've never been taught how to listen without affirming. So these are just little things to practice, not to say you do or don't do them, but it helps to bring awareness to your habitual ways of listening, ways of interpreting your emotions, ways of interpreting the emotions and feelings of Others that you lead or in, are in relationship with, and all of it is in the spirit of increasing our awareness so we can be better conscious leaders.
1: Love it. So you don't need to talk other people out of their emotions, and you don't need to talk yourself out of yours. And isn't it amazing that we're engineered to feel joy and sorrow at the same time? Like that's actually incredible.
0: The miracle, actually.
1: How lucky are we? Well, I did the ads at the beginning, so we don't need to do any now.
0: Well, we can just say thank you. Appreciate you if you've stayed listening to the end. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our community. Please like and share it as Jeff asked in the beginning. And we hope to see you live in person someday if you haven't already been to Heart Space in Park City, Utah for one of our retreats. And you can learn more about us at plentyconsulting.com.
1: Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.